Hey guys, this week's podcast brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. I've been shooting Kent for over God, 15 years when I was in college. I had to wait tables and bartend just to be able to afford shotgun shells to go duck hunting. Nothing's changed in that time frame. Kent killed ducks then, and it kills ducks now. That's why I still shoot it. Fast Steel 2.0 is just the evolution of Kent's reliable, effective, and industry-leading steel shot technology. You can find it at your local dealer or uh, head over to kentcartridge.com to check out their entire lineup of shot shells. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you into episode 614 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms, little flatland cavalry to get things going for us here today. Uh, it is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking all things hunting, fishing, and the great outdoors with you. So thanks for dropping by. I do appreciate it. Man, it was uh, frustrating to be... In North Texas last week, we had uh, Snowmageddon 2.0. Well, people freaked out like it was Snowmageddon 2.0. Really, it was just your typical two-day ice and snowstorm that we get damn near every other year in Texas. But, and I was telling my wife this, I've never seen school districts preemptively close bef like for two days before the ice and snow ever even arrives. It was like we're uh, suffering from PTSD from Snowmageddon 2021. <laughs> but typically, you turn on the news the morning of at like 5.30, 6.30 in the morning, and you can see if your school district has canceled school based off of the condition of the roads. No, that didn't happen. And it wasn't just schools. Like, gyms were closed on Saturday. Like, after this stuff is melting away, the roads are fine. It, I couldn't believe it. We never lost power. It was just uh, everyone was up in arms about a little old snowstorm like we get, like I said, every other year, it seems like. But uh, the snow did stick, so that was cool. The kids, if you're going to be out of school on Thursday and Friday, and I'm not even saying that it wasn't warranted. I mean, the roads were a little bad. I've just never seen them do it uh, ahead of time. But uh, the, the snow stuck, so we were out sledding, snowboarding, at the uh, on the hill up there at the kids' school, it was a blast. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the frustrating thing, though, there were so many damn ducks in North Texas. Every pond that I passed was just covered, and it just goes to show you the ducks will still come if we get some cold weather. Uh, <laughs> man, saw lots of ducks, and it was the same thing last year when we had the really bad storm where we did lose power. Uh, yeah, so and. You know, you can't push back the season. I understand pair bonding, blah, 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 blah. But my hope is that this uh, warm weather cycle will right itself. And and I've talked to biologists, you know, of course, I'm not a global warming denier, but I think it's all cyclical. Um, and I think we're just in a warm cycle right now. So hopefully that will trend the other direction and we'll get some of those cold snaps in November, December, January, when duck and deer season are open. 
man, I would have loved to have been deer hunting as well during that snowstorm. Those deer would have been on their feet the entire time trying to stay warm, trying to find something to eat, replenish that energy reserve. Um, It is what it is. Anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one he passed down years ago, because we're ready to rock and roll. And to get things going, very important discussion regarding North Texas deer hunting. And I think people all over the country will, will be interested in this because we all have different rules, regulations, where we hunt, in the states that we hunt, in the counties that we hunt. But North Texas is it's a, a unique situation because there's four counties, Grayson, Collin, Dallas, and Rockwall, that are 100% archery only. And plenty of other states have archery only uh, counties. Texas doesn't. But there is a movement out there to have that changed. And there's a lot of blowback from diehard bow hunters who want to protect this resource that we have. And there's a reason why we grow monster white-tailed deer in North Texas. Uh, And a lot of that is because nobody's shooting with guns. But Texas Parks and Wildlife has uh, introduced a, it's just a proposal at this point that would allow firearm hunting in those four counties. So Alan Kane, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Program Director, will be here. And we'll get Alan's take on why. And and also the science. I mean, they've got to have data to support this idea. But why does Texas Parks and Wildlife feel like this is a good plan moving forward? Um, so lots to get into on that front. And as a resident of Collin County, it's something that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, so looking forward to visiting with Alan coming up here in just a second. Then our good friend Austin Atkinson of Huntin' Fool drops by. Actually, we taped this conversation at uh, SCI's 50th anniversary convention in Vegas. One of the many conversations I've got cataloged here for uh, future shows, but Austin will give us the lowdown on the service that Huntin' Fool provides to Western big game hunters. Uh, Actually, Hunters anywhere that are applying for a state draw of any kind or preference points, they keep all of that organized for you. And if you're like me, uh, which for years and years and years, I've been doing it all myself. And I just rely on the email updates from each state's game and fish department. That's a lot of work when you're talking about applying in seven, eight, ten states. Um, Not just work, but just staying organized and on top of it. I mean, I've missed draws. I've missed the opportunity to buy preference points. I'm sure some of y'all can relate. Um, and I'm not, I, mean, I don't have a uh, Excel spreadsheet like probably some of you do. I just don't, I don't. Uh, so staying organized and on top of that, it's been a challenge. Hunting Fool alleviates all of that stress by doing it for you. So uh, looking forward to talking Western big game applications and draws with Austin coming up here in just a bit. So that's what's on the docket for today. Uh, I'm certainly excited about it. Let's do this. Let's do a quick giveaway. I had more people respond last week for the Black Rifle Coffee giveaway 
than I have had for any giveaway in uh, in a few months. So let's do another Black Rifle giveaway. We'll do a cap, T-shirt, and a couple bags of your favorite Black Rifle coffee roast. Um, thanks to the good folks over at Black Rifle, by the way. So just email the word freedom, that's freedom, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and you'll be entered into this week's Black Rifle Coffee Giveaway. Let's knock out a quick break. Up next, Texas Parks and Wildlife's Whitetail Deer Program Leader, Alan Kane, makes his return on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors Show. Hey guys, Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions, I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit bobcatofdallas.com today. There's the late great Billy Joe Shaver, Thunderbird, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by. We're all set to talk proposed regulatory changes that I know has a, a lot of Texas deer hunters fired up, regardless of which side of the fence they sit on. Uh, but before we jump into that conversation with uh, Alan Kane, this segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. If you're trying to lure in that buck, whether that's uh, in Texas, Kansas, um, a Midwestern buck like Herman the Monster we heard about last week, up in Ohio, doesn't matter. Big and J brings them in. If flat works, I know because I use it. 
My favorite is their uh, original recipe, the BB squared. It's so good. Henry likes to just, I know it is weird, but he'll just scoop up a handful and eat it. Try to tell him it's for the deer. Uh, but he's like, it's so good, Dad. Okay, well, whatever, bud. It does smell good. Um, if I wasn't an adult, I'd probably eat it too. But whether you like the BB squared or the deadly dust or to die for, I mean, you name it, they've got a long list of whitetail attractants. You'll find something that works for you. And you can see their entire lineup at Big and J. Com. All right, well, let's bring him on right now, a longtime friend of the show, someone we've visited with many times over the years, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader, Alan Kane. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Yeah, great to be here, Cable. So lots to talk about, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, deer season is come and gone. Um, I think I saw more big bucks harvested last year. What did you see across the state as far as the uh, Texas deer season is concerned? Yeah, harvest, what the reports we had is harvest was down a little bit compared to um, 2020. And um, and that was a little surprising as dry as it was in the fall. Um, I was expecting deer to be at the feeders more, uh, more so maybe than uh, what we were what we were seeing out there in the field and not, you know, some folks probably just passing up deer, uh, you know, talk to people that just didn't seem to have time to get out in the field as much as they wanted. Um, but as far as the quality of bucks, um, it's kind of all over the board. I, there were some really good deer that got uh, harvested in South Texas year this year. And then uh, he just had an email from a fellow in Fannin County. He was talking about uh, he was talking about doe days or something, but anyway, he went on to say this, this was the best year he'd ever had for big bucks in his mm -hmm. area up there. And so I think it's just, it really depends on um, kind of what's going on at your localized scale over there and, and whether you're managing or your neighbors are, what kind of rainfall you had this summer. Um, and so there's kind of a mixed bag of results uh, this year. Right on. Yeah. I had a couple mature bucks on camera at the start of the season probably four total throughout the season that i would be like that's a no-brainer you know five and a half or older yeah shooter and uh three of them disappeared and then the neighbor oh. shot the other one so it was uh I, I watched a lot of deer my son and i spent a lot of time in the stand uh never did pull the trigger on a on a buck this fall uh, but he shot his first buck in south texas so once the neighbor awesome. shot that that other deer, I was just like, all right, well, this season's just all about him at this point because yeah. there's nothing I'm seeing on camera that gets me excited. Um, but great. To, where was he hunting in South Texas? We were down in Ensenal. Yeah, great. Yeah. So. yeah, he took a six and a half year old eight point. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, so a nice, a nice management buck, but a trophy for a for an eight year old for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was tickled. It's a trophy for a lot of folks. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, well, so. What I really wanted to talk about today is the latest with the proposed uh, regulatory changes in uh, Grayson, uh, Collin, Dallas, and Rockwall counties, Rock. which are all, everyone knows, uh, all archery-only counties throughout the season. Uh, I live in Collin County, so, you know, it affects me directly. I have yeah. bow hunted in Collin County. Um, I don't know where the... Uh, where, where this all started as far as who proposed it but like just take us back through um the history of of when this all came to light yeah um grayson county's had a unique history for many years um you know the season was closed a long time ago 
And then, uh, in fact, I think it was 1961, the legislature, it, it closed the season. It, at that time, um, Parks and Wildlife didn't have regulatory authority over every county in the state. And so legislature could close things, and, um, and they did. But in, in 1984, um, we opened a deer season um, or allowed – deer hunting on the Hagerman National Wildlife Refuge, and it was archery only at that time. And then um, I guess about 15 years later, 1999, um, opened up the commission, opened a deer season in all of Grayson County, and um, it was archery only just to retain it. And there really wasn't a biological justification to do it that way back then, and you know, make it archery only in all seasons, but that's just what happened, I guess, falling along the lines of um, the hunting on the, the Hagerman National Wildlife Refuge. Um, and so obviously over that time period, you're seeing um, good age structure in the, the deer uh, population over there, especially the buck segment of that uh, herd. And so obviously you're seeing these deer maturing um, and when they mature, they're gonna produce their better set of antlers. And, um, and at the time, we didn't have antler restrictions in place in a lot of counties in the early 2000s. And so, um, you know, because it was archery only, there's probably limited harvest. You're seeing this better quality animals out there. And, and as a consequence, um, I think hunters, you know, like, hey, we want to kind of keep this as is. Um, mm -hmm. They're enjoying it. If I'm a bow hunter, what better place to go to seek, uh, you know, trophy quality animal than, than Grayson County at the time? And then over the years, um, in the 2000s on, we started getting requests, you know, every few years or so, or a petition uh, for rulemaking asking the department, hey, y'all allow firearms in, in Grayson County or this area up there. And, uh, and I remember one in 2008, um, in our at the time we had, I forget who requested it, but somebody wanted to open up farm season in Grayson County. And so we went up there and had a scoping meeting and there was quite a bit of um, resistance to that proposal. And so nothing ever got um, to the commission to even be considered um, for adoption. It didn't even go to the mm -hmm. Texas Register for public comment. It just got shut down at the time. And then every year since then, I've generally get a request nearly every year or every few years I'll get a request or a petition that says hey um you know we'd like to open up a firearm season or like the department allow take by firearms during general season and so we had a um a recent request in August this past August um from Dr. Harry Jacobson and Tim Condit which they work with some properties up there in Grayson County um and with the MLD program and helping those folks manage that. And uh, they just, you know, one of the difficulties they have on these high fence properties is trying to manage that deer population with archery harvest only, especially of a high density. And so anyway, they filed that uh, petition. So staff reviewed that and, and there's, you know, really no biological justification not to move forward with some sort of firearm season in Grace and Collin, Rockwall and Dallas counties. And so, uh, we briefed the commission in November, came back in January with a proposal um, to do this very thing. And, uh, and it's, it'll be published in the Texas Register for public comment. And so we're at that phase now that, you know, the public's going to be able to comment on it. Um, we're going to have a public hearing on, um, I believe it's March 9th um, in 
at the college there in Sherman, I will have a press release out with the address and the time and all that stuff so folks can comment. And then plus they can comment online anyway. And so we're at the point we can kind of move this forward to the commission um, with the data we have and, and just get their take and input. And they may decide to, you know, adopt the regulation or modify it slightly that we're proposing, or um, they may decide just to, to deny it. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Well, if it's a couple of high fence ranches that are creating the biggest or, or are the biggest proponents for a gun season in Grayson County, you know, are their interests greater than the interests of the entire Grayson County bow hunting community, which would be adamantly opposed to this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, and I, I don't know that it's a fair characterization. We don't know. I mean, I've had requests in the past from people that didn't have high fence ranches that wanted mm-hmm. to hunt with a rifle in Collin and, and well, and even Rockwall County um, in areas where they could do that in Grayson. So I don't know that it's the interest of the few overall. Um, you know, the other thing was uh, we hadn't done many deer surveys or regulatory survey work over there. And we had um, just this summer um, got the guys go out and do surveys. And, and so we can get some information about that deer population. And, and we estimate based on our regulatory surveys would be about 11,300 deer in that, that deer management unit 21, which is those basically those four counties. And the deer density was like a deer to 80 acres, um, just on average. And you have a range, when we do the analysis, you'll have a range of deer to 18 to deer to 350 acres. Well, obviously you hunted up there, you know that country's really fragmented. And so areas where you have good habitat, you have high deer densities. Um, areas where you've got coastal Bermuda grass fields or hay fields or just poor quality habitat, you're gonna have lower deer densities. And so that makes perfect sense. And then. And when you look at the deer management units surrounding that, so 22, deer management 22 to the west, it's a deer to 70 acres. Uh, deer man- management unit 20, which is directly south, is uh, deer to 118 acres or somewhere around there. And so those deer management units in those counties in there have an, a farm season, you know, they allow take by farm during general season. And there's no impact on those populations. It hadn't been. In fact, we're, you know, either the population is steady or it's it's growing very slowly in those areas. And in fact, in deer management unit 20, which kind of run, runs along that I-35 corridor there in the Blackman Prairies, we started getting complaints. It's probably 10 years ago. Um, and we didn't have a doe days there at all. There's no does by MLD only. And we opened up a four-day doe season because we were getting so many complaints from farmers and folks in that area. And so those, even in those areas, we have highly fragmented habitats. So deer population can still grow. Obviously, they're going to be restricted to where that better habitat is. And then, you know, as far as hunters go, I mean, it's uh, – I understand there's lots of uh, – opinions from the majority of the folks that are, that are commenting. I don't know. We hadn't surveyed every single person up there in, in the – in that area to see what they want. But um, you have to consider that if there's people out there that can't bow hunt um, or don't bow hunt, but they own property there, uh, they don't want to use a crossbow or can't, then by restricting it only to archery equipment, you're taking away those hunting opportunities for those folks. And people can argue that on both sides. And so I think we have to, to kind of look at a bigger picture here is that can there be enough hunting opportunity for all can we allow farm hunting 
and restrict harvest. You know, one of the part of that proposal is to, to limit, you know, harvest um, during the general season for does to four days around Thanksgiving. And we could expand that over time, have some mandatory harvest reporting. Um, and even if we don't pass the regulation or they don't adopt it with the allow farm season, I'd still like to get a handle on harvest up there. I don't think it's all that much um, anyway. And so now we can, you know, just add more data to the pool of information we have out there to justify these regulations. Okay, well, we do need to work in a quick break. I think when we come back, I'm not even going to say I'm, I'm playing the devil's advocate because I'm invested in Collin County bow hunting. Uh, I mean, I live here. It's my home. And there's a reason why I think you're going to get a lot of blowback. We'll get into that next. Uh, that segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra, the highest quality video that you're going to find on any trail camera anywhere. You can find the Ultra at StealthCam.com. We'll be right back with more from Texas Parks and Wildlife's Alan Kane on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I can't believe, I can't forget the hardest part hasn't started yet. I don't want to be with this misery, make it gone. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However... There's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Hey guys, Cable here. And if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily when planning my next backcountry hunt, it's Onyx Hunt. They have for a long time, set the gold standard when it comes to giving me the information I need to basically predict where I'm going to find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, plus, of course, private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a, a specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription. By using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Was I alone or in a hunter's dream? Cause the moment of truth was here and now. 
felt his touch, I felt his guiding hand. The buck was mine forevermore. Little Uncle Ted, Fred Bear, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith, riding shotgun with you as always. Appreciate you being here. Uh, we're still visiting with Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader Alan Kane. Before we get back into that conversation, however, this segment of the show brought to you by Vortex Wear. From the deer lease to the boat to the bar, Vortex Wear has something for everybody. They've got a full lineup of apparel. Uh, of course, they still have their great uh, T-shirts and hoodies and caps that they've long been known for, but now pants, flannels, khaki shorts, you name it, they've got it all. And you'll save 20% off your entire apparel order with my promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Uh, you can find it at vortexoptics.com. All right. Well, Alan, you gave us the kind of the lowdown on why Texas Parks and Wildlife is entertaining and even pushing for gun seasons in the four uh, traditional archery counties of Grayson, Collin, Rockwall, and Dallas in the North Texas area. Now I'm going to give you my take on why I'm against it as someone who is a resident of Collin County. There's a reason why Grayson and Collin County are producing Booner, you know, even 200 inch plus deer almost every year. I, I think every year I've seen a 200 inch buck killed wow. in Collin County. Um, and, you know, you have uh, the Robert Taylor buck that was like maybe 10 years ago come out of Grayson County, which was a top five all time in Texas. And then wow. uh, Chad Jones buck um, came out of Collin County and that was like a 235 inch deer, which I think at the time was number four all time, maybe even number three. Uh, I've had Cody Griffin in studio with both of his deer, 180 inch and then a 214 back to back years right over there by Lake Levon on his family property. Yeah. If you introduce a rifle season, that's that's going to change. People are going to shoot younger deer. I mean, that's part of why these counties have not so much Dallas. I've seen some nice deer come out of Rockwall, though. Uh, but that's why specifically Colin and Grayson, I think, have such a great age structure and why you see these Booner bucks coming out of North Texas. Uh, so my concern would be, well, that would be one concern. Um, and then the second part is I, I live in Collin County. I've lived here for uh, 12 years. And the urban sprawl is only going one direction. And so that means habitat is get, being gobbled up already. Um, our population is booming. I don't know how, you know, because basically hunting, available hunting area is being gobbled up by strip malls, gas stations at an alarming rate. So I don't know. I personally just don't see a reason to have a rifle season in Collin County. What you did say about those landowners having not having the ability to rifle hunt, that is something that I think, you know, that that's a valid point. Um, but I just don't know if it's worth, if the juice yeah. is worth the squeeze. I don't know. I mean, Cable, you have to look at it from two sides of the story because the people that can't rifle hunt, they'll look at the archery hunters and say, look, you guys want to protect your little nest egg here. and You don't mm -hmm. want to allow anybody else to enjoy hunting. Um and, but on the other hand, you make some good points too. You know, the age structure, um, we do have antler restrictions in those four counties you mentioned, plus 100 and 
uh, whatever, 112, 13 other counties around the state. Um, and so I think the eight, that helps with the age structure. I mean, y'all mentioned killing some big deer there, but they killed big deer in the Piney Woods in East Texas. It has as much, if not more, hunting pressure than it does in Colin Rockwell and Dallas um, counties. And then, um, it, and I understand, you know, those counties are being fragmented and developed. We also have the ability for somebody to hunt in Harris County, that's Houston, Travis County, that's Austin, Bear County, that's San Antonio, Galveston County. I mean, all those counties, Fort Bend County, those are areas very similar. So a lot of the arguments that people make in the counties you're talking about, Colin Rockwell, Dallas, and Grayson there, um, they can be made anywhere in the state. Um, you know, even in Duval County, there's places there that you got, you know, a bunch of little ranchettes, 30, 40, 50 acres, and people can shoot out the deer herd out there. Uh, the question I have for folks, uh, or for you, if there's so much interest in bow hunting, even if we open a firearm season out there, would most landowners, this is the beauty of Texas, landowners have the opportunity to self-restrict. If you're leasing a place or you're the hunters on there, you're the landowner, you can tell your hunters and your contract, whatever, hey, no, no gun hunting allowed. It's archery hunting. Um, and they do that all over the state. You see ranches that advertise this is archery only property. And so there's options for people to manage that, but still give others the flexibility because it comes back to part of this comes back to some landowners saying, why should somebody dictate what I can do in my own property? Mm-hmm. And if the population is sufficient, the deer population out there, is it at a level that we can sustain harvest? Um, then why not allow those opportunities? Um, if it's not going to, because what you're talking about is managing for trophy deer. And we don't put regulations in place to manage for big antlers. We manage for age structure, mm-hmm. which that's what those antler restrictions do and helps maintain that, which is a byproduct. You'll see bucks, larger antlers. So. There's just lots of questions, and I certainly understand the controversy and the the deep feelings that folks have in those counties. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, looking at the way we manage the deer population of the part of the state, there's no reason not to consider a firearm season. Um, okay. You know, and that's a great thing because the department has the ability to look at data over time, and we can always restrict um we could look at other options you know and there may be something that says okay maybe the commission doesn't adopt a regulation to open farm season for general season but it could be on mld properties only right now mld properties can't harvest um, but archery equipment only and so Mm -hmm. we've got to find a a balance there it can't be all or none sure or i mean i don't know or maybe just a a doe only rifle season i mean there must be there's a litany of other things that could be brought to the table there where I think everybody could win and walk away saying, okay, this is, we all feel like we're represented in this decision. You said March 9th is when there's a public comment period or a public hearing. Public hearing in person. Yeah. in uh, It's at the Sherman College there, just right north of Sherman, I think, there the college is. I don't know all the, I'll have to look up the details, mm-hmm. but it's now, it, are, are these counties all going, is the decision going to be made as one for the four counties or can they each have their own separate uh, result? It'll be for all four counties. We try to apply regulations 
to the counties within the deer management units to be similar because that's how we're monitoring that population and to be able to do that we want to determine the impacts of that regulation on that population so it needs to be similar within that deer management unit otherwise we're picking and choosing mm-hmm. like okay is the regulation really affecting um, you know this county this way versus different and if we're surveying it that deer management unit we can't pick those up so it applies to all four okay and so okay so that's when the public hearing is and then when will the decision ultimately be made so um we'll have public comment between now and the commission meeting which is march 25th 26th i think it's right around there but it'll be that march commission meeting where we'll have all the statewide proposals up um you know i've got this and some stuff with cold storage and uh and then the migratory stuff that all be up in in march in the commission will uh consider adoption at that okay well interesting stuff to say the least um you know from from my point of view i uh i I like living in a county where it's like oh man we're just producing the biggest bucks in the state every year you know i don't know i I don't see how a rifle season would have a positive effect on that but also that's my opinion and you know it's a selfish one uh because i'm not the landowner i mean i openly you know i'm transparent about it yeah um i'm not the landowner who who doesn't want to or can't bow hunt, uh, but yet has a, you know, a bunch of does in my field every, every evening. So I, yeah, you know, I understand their, their take as well. So Cable, how would you balance just, or how do you balance a person that's got a high fence that doesn't have an offer? It's not affecting yeah. anybody, you know, and we're restricting those folks too. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, I think the, solution would be you know doe only for me if i'm looking at i'm just like okay if we want to still have these big bucks in these areas fine you can manage and you can shoot does with the rifle i don't care that's fine but you know if we want to still continue to produce booner quality deer which i think everyone with a bow in those four counties wants to see uh but even though only i get that but even on a high fence property that if you have a high fence property, you're not affecting anybody else. That population's in that fence. I know, and but it's a catch 22 because Texas parks and wildlife still owns those deer. Um, you know, it's so. So do you I, allow harvest by rifle under MLD only? So those are customized harvest recommendations. I, I mean, I think that's fair. It wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me. I don't care what they're doing on their own high fence. I don't think anyone else does really either. Like it, yeah. it doesn't affect me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be that would be fine. MLD, fine. You can you can rifle hunt your high fence. It's not going to bother me. I don't know how many it's not like South Texas where there's high fences up and down every highway. I don't really know how many high fence ranches we have in in those counties. Um but it, I don't either, but I don't think it matters. The fact yeah. is you're restricting somebody that has no impact on the population that you're hunting. Mm-hmm. So it's how do you find a way to help those folks out and help out everybody else, you know, allow those opportunities. And yeah. it's a challenge. I mean, it's not, there's not an easy solution in these four counties. Cause I understand the history and, um, you know, a little bit of pride having bow only counties up there in a lot yeah. of those residents. Well, I, and I'll, there's some, you know, I'll put this out there too, because Texas parks and wildlife, I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I know a guy who had to pay civil restitution, on a high fence deer that had no vested stake in Texas parks in our Texas deer herd. So why is he having to pay $20,000 restitution? The guy was hunting without a license. He didn't, he, 
He was hunting a high fence property. It's a very well, he, he's been in here and told the story on the, on the uh, show and he since passed away, but um, you know, for him to have to pay that amount of money for a deer, like you said, that isn't a part of our, you know, it's not going to affect our Texas deer herd one way or the other. That's a catch 22. It's, you know, yeah, I mean, that guy, he didn't have a hunting license. It'd be one thing if he had a hunting license. And I know, but, but, but that doesn't matter. Like what we're talking about, like that deer, whether he had a hunting license or not, why is he having to pay restitution on a high fence deer that is being valued at the same dollar amount as a buck that's out there proliferating on the open range? It doesn't matter. The, the fencing doesn't matter. Um, the people of the state of Texas still own all white-tailed mule deer, regardless of the fence. And they still have to abide by the harvest regulations, whether the you have access to that animal or not, whether it can jump a fence and move through. Um, I don't think that's the issue. I mean, uh, that guy's supposed to follow all the hunting regulations. He's a hunter just like you are. My point is, is that if you- I'm not defending him shooting it without a license, and that's not what I'm saying, but just like, you know. Um, yeah. The restitution's the same. I mean, because it, well, that law, so that law has since been changed because of that yes, situation. There's a cap on that. Yeah, so, yeah. but the point being is if, if this, this guy got a ticket for hunting without a license, but mm -hmm. if I'd been a poacher and poached that deer in a high fence or low fence, it doesn't matter. It's still, he poached a deer, a, a state resource. And so that's the, you know, that's the challenge that I think the issue with the fencing sometimes is when you have, regulations in these four counties are the only four counties in the state like this. When you have regulations like that, that are archery only during all seasons, it restricts people's ability to manage their population and choose what management tools they want to have available to use. And so, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of folks in, in those four counties that, that archery hunt only. And then my, and you have to ask the question is if that's the case, even if we open a gun season, you know, change and everything, everybody's always, folks are resistant to change in general we all are with everything um, we don't like it but I, my wife can attest to that <laughs> <laughs> i don't do well with change <laughs> yeah. sometimes you know it's worse in our head than what the actual outcome is yeah um, but that's why we keep you know we do these regulatory surveys we want harvest reporting things like that that will help us manage um that population to make the right decision so mm -hmm. But uh, ultimately, you know, we're going to receive public comment and uh, see where the commission goes with this. Okay. Well, I appreciate the insight on uh, what's going on there, um, Alan. Now we just yep. got to get a cinnamon teal on that wall to go with the, uh, the blue winger, yeah. the green winger. You let me know where that I think I mentioned that last time. Now, you know, this is – we visited a lot over the years, but uh, because of COVID, now everyone uses Zoom. And so, yeah. you know, we actually get to see people's faces. Uh, people yeah. listening obviously can't see your nice handlebar uh, mustache. <laughs> Wait, no, that's a Fu Manchu. That's a, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's awesome. Uh, nor that can they see the nice buck or the ducks on the wall there. But, yeah, I, yeah. I've been looking at the – there's a gad wall. There's a yeah. blue winger and a green winger and a bobcat. But, yeah, I don't know where – I don't know where to shoot a damn cinnamon teal. I've, I've only ever seen one when I was turkey hunting in Jack County. Oh, so, wow. The, yeah. uh, so there was springtime. Supposedly, um, there's a always a little population down there on the Rio Grande River, like a Lake Falcon. And so I've mm. got to find somebody down there with access to that. So, yeah. Uh, I, there's sometimes, 
shoot the uh, occasional one on on the the playa lakes out there yeah in the panhandle um yeah. but yeah I've, I've never seen one in my neck of the woods apparently there's some uh, healthy population of cinnamon teal down in mexico um and so i'm gonna have to hook up with some of those guys down there yeah. uh, awesome see. well cool well alan i appreciate it as always man i hope you have a great day and uh look forward to following along and, and seeing where where this thing goes yeah appreciate the time take care cable all right thanks again uh-huh. So there you have it, Texas Parks and Wildlife's take on why they are considering implementing gun seasons in those uh, four North Texas counties that have traditionally been archery only. What is y'all's take? I'd, I'd love to uh, hear via email what your thought is. So if you want to, uh, shoot me an email reply. Maybe I'll read it on the air next week. Uh, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Love to get your thoughts. That segment of the show proudly brought to you by NUMA. Whether I'm bow hunting or gun hunting, NUMA's the only thing I'm wearing in the whitetail woods. And it's actually specifically made by bow hunters. Of course, you can wear it rifle hunting too, but it's quiet, it's warm, it's comfortable. Like, especially, here's the thing. Hunting apparel, so often it's like the crotch area just doesn't fit right. Not the case with anything that I've, put on from NUMA. Uh, you can check out their entire lineup. I love the Alpha Vertex. Uh, that's what I wore religiously this past season. Uh, but they've got something for everybody and something for early season, mid-season, late season, you name it. They've got it all. You can find it at numaoutdoors.com and you'll get 20% off with that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Coming up next, let's simplify the daunting, overwhelming nightmare that is the Western Big Game draw and application process. Hunt Fools Austin Atkinson joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. To do my sentence, I broke out off the Nashville jail. I just crossed the line of Georgia, and I can hear them bloodhounds on my trail. Hey guys, Cable Smith here for Stealth Cam. You know that I've been with Stealth Cam for a long time, and there's a reason for that. The cameras are reliable, and they offer the best photo quality in the industry. Check out the Reactor or the Fusion. Those are the latest and greatest wireless cell cameras from Stealth Cam. Sending images to the Stealth Cam app right there on your phone. It's like Christmas every day. Instant updates. Check those cameras. Get those bucks pattern, or know when you need to be at a certain stand because the hogs are coming in, like clockwork. Whatever the case, check it out. You can find the entire lineup of Stealth Cameras cameras. <laughs> that sounds funny. You can find the <laughs> you can find the entire lineup at stealthcam.com. Cable here for Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Few things are more enjoyable than to watch the kids put out the Big and J BB squared, and then start beating Dad up to look at his cell phone. Why? Because they want to see what bucks are coming to eat the Big and J. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at BigandJ.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving. And they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? 
Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldweight, Texas. our very own Reckless Kelly, Long Night Moon, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we're about to head west and try to make heads or tails of the Western big game draw application process. It's a doozy and can be overwhelming, but there are resources out there that can make life so much easier and help guide us through that process. Hunting Fool is exactly that. And while in Vegas at the SCI convention, I sat down with their VP of Operations, Austin Atkinson, and uh, we taped an in-depth conversation on this topic, uh, and we'll play that momentarily. But first, this segment of the show brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. Um, SCI puts their money where their mouth is. And it's not just about safari hunting in Africa. They invest resources here in North America to protect our rights as hunters. Also, to send a message to the non-hunting public on what scientific-based wildlife management really looks like. And if those are things that you believe in, then head over to safariclub.org and join our ranks today. Yeah, You won't regret it. I guarantee you that. Um, well, let's go ahead and play that conversation that uh, we recorded with Hunt and Fool's Austin Atkinson. We are here at SCI's 50th anniversary expo, convention, whatever you want to call it. This is my first time at this show. Is it? Yeah. And it's awesome. It is awesome. There's a good vibe here. Yeah. Hunters that are passionate about conservation, booking trips, and getting out. Get, getting out, yes. It's busy. It is busy. I was a little worried. Like, I mean, and obviously, um, it's not cheap to, to have a booth here. It's an investment on your part as a business. So it's nice to see that there's a, a lot of people excited to be out, like you said. Yeah, both exhibitors and attendees. Uh -huh. We're excited to be back. We're excited to see people face-to-face. -face. Email and text, that gets old after a while. You want to shake someone's hand at least once a year, right? Yeah, yeah. And every time I walk by y'all's booth, y'all are swamped. There's, I mean... Tons of people interested in hunting pool. Everybody wants to hunt out west, and <laughs> no one's getting any younger. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I can attest to that. Um, so before we talk about hunting pool, tell me a little bit about yourself, because I, obviously I met you in Dallas a couple weeks ago. That was the first time we'd have met face-to-face. -face. I don't know a lot about you. Where are you from? What do you enjoy hunting the most? Sure. So I'm from Arizona originally. Uh -huh. That's where I grew up, went to high school. Now I live in Utah, southern Utah. I went to high school, too. 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's a good place to start, right? <laughs> I did go to college after that, but we don't have to go that route. <laughs> but primarily, I realized at an early age that I love hunting, uh-huh. but I knew I couldn't afford the hunts I wanted to go on. So I decided to become a guide. So I got into guiding early on in Alaska is where I started. Now I guide in New Mexico, Arizona, and Alaska and just jump around going on hunts I can't afford to go on. Right. So my primary species in Alaska is sheep, tall sheep, and I just love the mountains. I love going up there every year. Uh, But who I am, I'm a father. I have six children. Six? Under the age of 10. Holy moly. So we've we've got a lot going on. I'm glad there's a lot of people coming to your booth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get some more tags so my kids can hunt someday. I've got a sweet wife that stays home with the kids all the time Uh and supports me and hunting and work and everything else so so how long did you live in alaska i actually never lived in alaska okay no i've just gone up there worked as a guide as okay. a non-resident guide started packing filming and then guiding on my own under an outfitter so mm-hmm. i work with a pilot outfitter but and mostly I've, sheep mostly sheep i do grizzly bear and mountain goat as well uh-huh. but doll sheep's kind of my passion have you taken a doll sheep yourself i have Yep. Okay. Six years ago, I traded a bunch of guide work uh-huh. for my own chance to go sheep hunting. I'm a non-resident, so I still had to be guided. Yeah. Uh, but another guide came with me, and I took a doll of my own. Awesome. Man. Awesome. So on That's down the, the sheep slam world, right? So how did that transition into hunting pool? And I think, so I think I've been getting the publication since maybe like for five or six years. But... And, and I did sign up. We, when we went and started doing my application mm-hmm. process, it looked like I had created an account at some point in time. And I don't know. Life got in the way. Maybe kids started happening. I don't know. But um, how long have you guys been around? So Hunting Fool started way back in 96. Oh, wow. Right, when Garth Carter founded it as a small business, he saw early on that Western big game tags were going to be hard to get. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to help people find these opportunities and start playing the point game which point systems, bonus points, preference points, they were new at that time. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to help people find out the programs. Now, we're talking before the Internet was everywhere, right? Right. This was a pamphlet that he would photocopy and send out in the mail all the way up till he started the magazine and hunting full what it is today. A lot of people still see us as just a magazine. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys are a cool magazine. Well, this isn't no outdoor life publication, Right. right? This has meat and potatoes. It's a little bit different of a resource, even though we do have an iconic magazine as well. Mm-hmm. So I've worked for Out and Fool for seven years now, uh, so I'm still new to it. But I enjoy sitting at a desk, having a regular job, if you will, still being able to come home at night, and then having the flexibility to guide and hunt every fall. It's a perfect match for me. Right. Let's talk about the services that you guys offer. And, and I'm like the perfect example of this because I've been... I want to say I've been hunting out west um, for over 20 years. Backpacking first. Hey, look at all these grouse. We should next time. I'm going with my dad, and they're fishermen. Sure. So they're not, they don't take guns. So I go, once you turn 21, they do this annual church trip that my dad's been doing for over 30 years. And once you turn 21, they're like, okay, son, you're, it's a coming of age. You're allowed to go on the mountain man trip now. Yep. And I'm 40, so about 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, they didn't take guns, so I started seeing all these grouse, and I was like, and I was getting into hunting at the time because I just grew up fishing. Dad's a huge, my dad's a fishing nut. 
Um, but I was like, we should shoot these grouse and eat them, right? Uh, how cool would that be? Mm-hmm. So we started doing that. Then I was like, look at all these elk. Like, why do I not have an elk tag? So I started applying for elk tag, I think maybe 10 years ago. And, uh, and I've drawn New Mexico four or five times. I've done Montana, um, done Colorado. And elk hunting is my favorite thing. Awesome. Really, I mean, I'm, I'm a flatlander from Texas, right? You're right. But one week every year, I'm going to the mountains. I'm going to chase rutting bulls with a bow. I'd shoot one with a rifle. It doesn't interest me as much. I want to be there when they're bugling. Yeah. I like talking to them. Um, sometimes they even talk back. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny what happens, and we see this all the time, but you probably have a friend that says, why are you not applying in Wyoming mm-hmm. or Colorado, for example? And you got that one hunting buddy that got you drug into some application along the line. Yeah. But that's probably the only state you're doing, or you've got a different buddy for each state. You're probably confused about what am I actually trying to get long term? Is this worth my money? Can I ever hunt there? Or some guys just forget, yeah. right? And well, they yeah. did it one year and then forgot the next year, whatever um, it may be. Like literally the perfect uh, experiment for this because sure. you guys um, brought the, the buyers on, on board and they're good friends of mine. Stole them from Texas and <laughs> moved them out west. Yeah. But, um, Jess asked me in Dallas, she's like, are you still doing your applications all yourself? And I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I miss one or I forget to buy a point in this state. I don't know, like, even where all my hunter ID numbers are for the states. I have to go look them up every time. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. And it takes a lot of time. And like I said, sometimes I miss a deadline. Like, uh, Wyoming's coming up this month. Um, You guys are going to help me sort that out. But that's the kind of stuff that just slips through the cracks. And it's it's not easy to keep all of that organized, yep. doing it yourself, keeping up with it. Because it would be great if every state was like, oh, the deadline is this date. And all of them right. were like, but they're not. Every state has a different deadline. They're not. You know, and different systems. And trying to keep track of all of that and, and know what the regulations are, out the application process. This state is, is preference points. This state is random you know, mm-hmm. draw like New Mexico. It can be overwhelming. And that's where you guys come it can. in. And very few companies are, are like us. We are a resource that looks at all states and compares them. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can get answers from Wyoming about Wyoming, but it's really hard to take what you learn there about their application and apply that to Colorado because it's a totally different system. Mm-hmm. But the way we streamline all of our resources is so you can easily compare opportunities from prices, draw odds, and expectations across different states so that you can narrow it down to where you want to go and we'll take that a next step further and actually submit your applications for you if you want so that you don't have to miss and even worse than missing an application is paying for a tag in a state that's a not the hunt you thought it was going to be right we get guys all the time that well someone told me to go to colorado and so i drew a colorado elk tag and i didn't even see a bull in the unit i went to mm-hmm. i mean that's a total waste of your time and resources oh, my elk hunting buddy did that yeah he went to the womenichi and they had a uh some kind of beetle what's the beetle the uh like the bark beetle yeah and it, trees it, they had a, a major die-off of all, all the trees yeah and he spent a week they did they did a drop camp got dropped in an area where the beetles had killed all the trees there was no elk they didn't see an elk sweet <laughs> It was a nice camping trip. Right. No, yeah. It was. It was a great camping trip for him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of the other things, when we were going through 
just kind of scratching the surface on my application process. Yeah. And I'm at a point where I have points in certain states, mm -hmm. but you guys can consult and say, well, what, what is your, really your goal here? Or are yeah. you just throwing money away? Exactly. Do you even know what you're really doing? I'm like, well, I have like three moose points in Colorado. Well, are you ever really going to draw that tag? Right. I don't know. You know, you guys can give advice, statistical data, and say, well, this is not a good investment. It's probably never going to happen. Right. Maybe Donna, focus here instead. And honestly, with our hunt advisors, that's what our team is comprised of. And so these are guys that research all these states. And we like to consult you based on your expectations. Mm -hmm. For example, I just met with a guy. And he said, I would like to hunt mule deer. I said, well, what kind of mule deer? And he said, well, I, you know, above average mule deer. And he said, I just need a 220 buck or better. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like pretty high expectations, <laughs> but now I can put you in the right funnel. We're only going to apply for Arizona, Utah, Nevada, you know, those states that have that expectation where you have a random chance of drawing and not the guy that just says, hey, I just want to shoot a nice four point mule deer. Where should I apply? His strategy looks totally different mm -hmm. than the guy that wants a giant mule deer only. Mm -hmm. That's the only hunt that's worth his time. So every application is different. That's where our hunt advisors really work with every client individually to set a plan for you. There's not a cookie cutter off the shelf approach that, oh, here's your $500 approach. No, it's based on how much you want to spend each year in non-refundable fees, what your expectations are, how old you are, how in shape you are, you know, et cetera. Right. So it's a consulting service. It is. Yeah. It's personal consultations to build a hunting strategy for you. And, you know, guys say all the time, well, I've got money. I'll just save up and buy a hunt someday. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you are probably missing out on some hunts you could obtain cheaper or better hunts in the draw. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to play this bonus point draw game lottery draw every year we just have to do it and there are some states though like and you and i were talking about this earlier like i quit applying for arizona like i just quit because it was like boom 300 and whatever dollars to buy the license <coughs> before you can even get in the game every year and right. in that situation i was like i could just in 10 years 15 years save up wait instead of waiting for that once in a lifetime tag i'm 40 i'm not going to get that tag until i'm 60 maybe for arizona i should have started applying when i was much younger yeah um, so for me, like that's just a bad investment. That's the answer to a lot of this. If you started 30 years ago, you'd be in a better place. Right. However, if you're just starting now in a lot of states, it comes down to a budget question. If you are willing to spend that couple hundred dollars in Arizona, consider it a conservation donation. Mm -hmm. You're never going to see that money again every year. But there's a chance, it's a lottery chance, to hunt some of the biggest deer and elk <coughs> available then it's worth it i would say apply in arizona mm. but if you look at that two or three hundred dollars and say can i do something else with that money can i apply one of my kids or my wife in a different state and use those funds differently 100 percent. let's talk about that mm -hmm. and we'll only recommend what makes sense for you well you know i think a lot of folks are in the same boat as me maybe they got a late start or maybe they're just now starting you know to really get the itch to experience western big game hunting uh, I wish I would have done it at a younger age. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but this is my reality. So let's take a break. I want to come back and pick your brain on states that can offer um, instant gratification, so to speak, like 
maybe you have a couple points in a state, or, or maybe you have zero, and uh, maybe it's Colorado for you. But, uh, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on uh, those opportunities for anyone out there who hasn't been building points for 5, 10, 15 years. That segment uh, was brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee company, veteran-owned and operated. You're talking about real-life American heroes that really do have some of the best roasts available. So why not support our veterans? And uh, you can go over to blackriflecoffee.com and save 20% off your order. That's on coffee, apparel, other swag. That's 20% with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out Black Rifle Coffee. We'll be right back on SCI's Home Star Outdoor Show. Looking for some work on the county line. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turducken rolls for the holidays? Plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. You amaze me. I swear you drive me crazy. One kiss from you makes me feel like the happiest man in town. I think I'm in love. There's another one from one of my new favorite artists, William Beckman. I think I'm in love. Bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thank you for being a part of today's show. Um, we are still visiting with Hunting Fools Austin Atkinson. But before we dive back into that conversation, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by... Rustic Reminders Taxidermy and John X Safaris. Here's what you do. You join me on the July trip to John X Safaris. Then Josh and Becky Gunther over at Rustic Reminders will mount all of your trophies for you. Uh, literally, I've had quite a few buddies do that exact thing. Uh, but the uh, John X trip is July 25th through August 2nd. Whether you want to hunt uh, Plains Game, Cape Buffalo, or anything in between, yeah, all you have to do, shoot me an email, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and uh, I'll send you all the details. All right, let's pick back up our conversation with uh, Hunting Fools Austin Atkinson here. So, and this is a subjective question. 
for me, like I said, I love elk hunting. What state do you think has the best, and obviously Colorado has the most elk, what state can you go in on public land and, and not expect to, when I'm not talking about the guy that wants the 220-inch mule deer or the 370-inch bull, a nice 6x6 six six with your bow, what state would you say, hey, this is your, your best odds? Subjective, I know, because there's yeah. so, so much different uh, geographical areas in every state. You know, Sure. It, honestly, when, when people think about the West, there's this consensus that there's elk everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And like you say, Colorado has a lot of elk, but you look at these other states that have big elk, like Arizona, Nevada, Utah, there's not many elk, and there's not a lot of permits available. So while you can start applying for those, chances are you'll never gain enough points to be guaranteed a tag mm-hmm. in a lot of those states. There's just The demand is too high if you're just starting. The tags are too limited. So looking at states like Montana still has great general tag that you still have to draw. It took me license. two points, I think, to yep. draw there. That's a great opportunity to hunt some public land. And can you still, that was three or four years ago, can you still draw Montana pretty easily with two points? Yep. Okay. So they'll actually purge your points if you don't apply on the second year. So they keep that revolving door open yeah. of new applicants. Smart. Uh, Wyoming's still a great opportunity for public land with their general license. So I've got five points in Wyoming, so thinking about possibly doing that next year. Yep. Lots of country you can hunt, uh, public land. And then, of course, Colorado I see as a good backup state. Like mm-hmm. if you don't draw your tag in Montana or Wyoming, you can always buy the over-the-counter archery tag right before you go on your hunt in Colorado. Find a lo- unit that maybe has less pressure and hike in and have a good hunt there. Okay. It's a good opportunity for, you know, the budget-friendly. You start talking New Mexico, some of these other states, it gets more expensive because now you're talking landowner tags, or, you know, more expensive hunts. What about Idaho? That's a place that I have, I've never hunted. I do know that they have leftover tags, generally. I, I, I heard that because of COVID last year, though, they sold out like that. Like, they were gone in, like, the first day. And usually you could get – it was uh, Kevin, friend over at uh, Kevin Harlander, was telling me that. You could just get them. Like, yeah. You could just buy it. If you want a leftover tag, no problem. So they, they were all gone because everyone's hunting because there's nothing else to do because of COVID. <laughs> there's a reason I left Idaho out of that list I gave you before. Uh-huh. It has gotten messy. They've changed the system a few times on us. And now it's zone-specific, and it's an overall statewide non-resident quota that sells out faster than ever before. We used to have elk tags available through the season, where you could buy them even into October Hmm. and go up there and hunt. And now they start selling December 1st of the year prior, season prior. And so all our 22 tags are already sold out at this point right? in January. They're just gone. So, yes, December 1st, you can jump on their website and try to buy their over-the-counter tags even though that's not really over-the-counter to me if i have to be on exactly and open a bunch of browser windows try to beat the system yeah Mm, is it over the counter but it's a quota based and if you can get a tag there yeah it's a good hunt but is it that much better than going to colorado on a lot of those over the counters not really really okay it's not that much better some units may have a little better trophy potential of course there's lots of public land but you got to realize there's a lot of tags and these units, residents, over-the-counter, there's going to be some hunting pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, as we're wrapping up here, cost-wise, if, if I want to use your, your service, like the, the full deal. Yeah. Like, obviously, the 
the uh, potential customer wants to know dollars and cents. What's the investment? Hundred percent. So our membership, where you get the magazine and you get access to our hundred advisors, is one hundred and fifty dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That allows you to do the research, both with our website and our magazine, so you can submit your own applications and make informed decisions. If you'd like us to apply you and handle your applications on your behalf, like we're doing for you, it's $65 a state, and they get you one species, and then $10 for each additional species. It's a great value if you've been through these applications. Just keeping all this stuff organized, I mean, I miss miss points, you know, like... I should probably have seven points in Wyoming. Well, I missed a couple of years. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And it's very transparent. You have access to log into our system and see all your receipts, see all your points, see exactly where you're at and what we're doing for you on your behalf at any given time. That's so much better than saying, oh, me and my buddy are planning our elk hunt. Let's look at what, how many points we have in each state. Now i got to go to each state's Game and Fish, exactly. the website, remember my login, which yep. takes me an hour, and then freaking figure out how... Where do I go to even find my preference points? Exactly, it's like a, it really is like a thirty-minute to an hour process per state that I just want to go find the information. Yeah, <laughs> it takes forever. Then you find it and you throw it in some spreadsheet, you know. And then you forget where the spreadsheet is. Oh, I've <laughs> never put in a spreadsheet. Like I'm real organized. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, awesome, man. I certainly appreciate it. Um, looking forward to utilizing what you guys have to offer. Certainly going to help me out personally. Keep everything organized and uh, looking forward to seeing what what tags i draw for this uh, this coming year it's not getting any easier so you need to start playing the game now we need to play everywhere that makes sense hopefully get you some more tags my son's nine well i wonder and it's probably a state by state thing but i wonder when i can start getting points for him nine is about the age where you need to be planning so first thing you got to get him taking hunter safety he mm-hmm. needs to pass hunter safety which most states will let you do that at nine years old and then things start opening up. New Mexico has no minimum age. And some of the best hunts in New Mexico are youth-only hunts. Mm. So you can start applying them there as soon as hunter education is completed. And then Arizona starts at 10 years old. So it'll be 10 by the hunting season. Start applying <laughs> now, there. Is it $300 per youth application? No, no, no. Get this. So that I'm just say, Sorry, Henry, you're not applying yeah. in Arizona. <laughs> it's still cheap in a lot of these states. Uh-huh. Just Arizona's hunting license alone is $160 for a non-resident adult. It's 5 bucks for a kid. Oh, awesome. All of a sudden, it's worth it. Yeah. Let's start building your Arizona points. Yeah. Let's apply in New Mexico. There's a lot of opportunities, but about nine is the sweet spot where you need to get serious. A lot of states will be added in once he's 12 okay. of opportunities. Yeah. I think that in that, like, Montana's minimum... I think age 12. Yep. Wyoming as well. We're spoiled Utah. in Texas. My son just smoked a beautiful eight point. His <laughs> first buck. And, uh, but I never, doing this for a living, I never pushed that on him. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to come to me and say, Dad, I want to shoot a deer. So he did last year, and he shot a doe. And then this year, he, got, he went to South Texas to my buddy's place and got spoiled rotten. Awesome. He shot a bigger buck than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, good for him. And, and I get as much joy out of out of that now you know i have a, a lot of nice animals on the wall it means more to me to watch him do it these days so you've got six kids i i know my kids are close they're right there we've got one of them signed up for hunter safety right now i'm like i want you to be introduced properly and mm-hmm. i want to have these experiences with you and some of these states you got to play the draw game and it's cheap for kids but you got to play the game if you want them to have the opportunities we've had yeah or the opportunities that, I mean, I'm making the most of it. I got into it late, right? Like, I started applying probably 29, 30 years old. 
I wish I would have been doing it, or my right. dad would have been doing it for me when I was nine. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have two or three sheep by now. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be nice. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks, of course. Yeah, they, any of your listeners can go to huntingful.com. No G and hunting. Hunting fool. I know right. Jess got on me for Check I, I tagged the. There's a fake hunting fool oh, Instagram yeah. page. So, <laughs> I was like, gotta get that G off there. I was like, dang it. I know they only have 11 followers. That's not your page. <laughs> um, and you guys are based out of Utah? Yeah, Southern Utah. We're available on the phone, website all the time. And have a podcast too? We do. Okay. Yeah, the Built to Hunt podcast. We try to just, it's hosted just by us, mm-hmm. advisors, and we try to share all this information as it's relevant to the state deadlines that are coming up. Get guys' minds turning and cool. get them applied. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Cable. Appreciate it. So there you have it. Uh, I'm not going to say everything you need to know about Western big game applications because that would be a lie. But Hunt and Fool uh, is there to assist you in that daunting task of uh, of keeping everything on time as far as deadlines, draw, draw deadlines, and and also organized. Um, I'm certainly excited about using their resources going forward. Now that segment brought to you by Pulsar in the Thermion 2.0 thermal rifle scope. I've got one, uh, and trust me, I've been using thermal, what, 10, 12 years now? It's been a long time. Uh, this is the best thermal optic that I've ever seen. You can pick one up for yourself at PulsarNV.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to both of our guests today. Of course, Austin Atkinson of Hunt and Fool, as well as Texas Parks and Wildlife White-tailed deer program leader Alan Kane will continue to monitor the firearm proposed seasons in those four uh, North Texas counties very closely as it is near and dear to my heart. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors.